Last week, Chrissy, she mentioned something along the lines of, uh, why can't we live every day in the same um, uh, celebratory style, in the same celebratory way that we, uh, that we live Easter Sunday? Why can't we come at life with that same excitement and enthusiasm and celebration as we do when we sing and we worship our hearts out on Easter morning? And it's true, yes, we celebrated Easter last week and we celebrated in style, but that same Jesus is just as much risen today uh, as he was that very first Easter and is just as much risen today as uh, he was when we celebrated him last week. Um, And I do believe that we can, like Chrissy said last week, we can be guilty of forgetting that fact. In fact, I think sometimes we can push all of that celebration into a morning or two per year. And the rest of the year, I think we can sometimes find ourselves more focused on our personal wants and needs than on the fact that Jesus died for us and rose for us. We can get so caught up in the stuff of our lives that we forget what Jesus did for us. We get so caught up, we partially lose sight of quite how much Jesus accomplished and what his accomplishment truly means for us and our lives and our future. But this is not a new thing. If we look through the Bible, and we're going to touch on it a bit in a minute, we're in good company when we, uh, when we do this. But we do have to address it. Because if we live our lives focused only on the stuff of our lives, we can fail to see the bigger picture. We can fail to adequately grasp the bigger picture. We can fail to see the plan that Jesus has in store for our lives. A plan that sometimes is actually laid out right in front of us. So you'll be glad to hear that I have a three-pointer talk today. So very easy if you've remembered. Um, I'm sorry, my team, and we're praying out back, they said to me, but do they all start with the same letter? So I'm really sorry. I have absolutely, completely, totally failed you on that front. Um, Lex actually told me I had to make them all start with letter X, which again was totally out of the realms of my skills. Um, So it is a three-pointer, and I promise I will go on as few tangents as possible. But if you know me well by now, that again is not something I'm particularly skilled in. Before Jesus died, he predicted that he would rise. It was part of his plan. Um, He predicted what was going to happen. It says in Mark, it should come up on the screen in a second, it says in Mark chapter 9 verse 30, uh, they passed through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were because he was teaching his disciples. He said to them, the son of man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him and after three days he will rise. But they did not understand what he meant and were afraid to ask him about it. Jesus predicted that on the third day he would rise. It was part of his plan. And then if we fast forward three days, there's this encounter on the road to Emmaus. 
It's in uh, Luke chapter 24, verse 13 through to uh, verse 35. Again, this is going to come up. I'm going to read the whole chunk. It says this. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened up the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true. The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. So here begins the three-part talk. Point one is this. These two guys who are followers of Jesus were traveling on this road. They were deep in conversation. They were discussing the stuff of life with one another. And when Jesus asked what they were discussing, they stood still. It says that their faces were downcast. They were glum. Something was stealing their focus, and it wasn't a good thing. They felt pretty rough, it would seem. Think of how you feel when you're downcast, when you're glum, those things that can steal away your focus and alter your mood negatively. This is how they looked and felt at this time. Something distracting and negative had taken hold of them, and Jesus noticed this. 
And then this whole conversation happens and they walk together and they share together. And it's clear that they are so caught up in what they have got going on, caught up in their own frustrations that they fail to recognize who they were walking with and talking to. They fail to recognize who they are sharing this road with. So my point is this, how often do we get so caught up in the distractions of our life, the struggles of our life, so much so that we fail to see Jesus at work around us? How often do we get uh, so worried and pulled down by situations at work, at home, family life? Perhaps uh, there are rumblings and frustrations, tough situations at home. How often we get drawn into gossip circles with friends. How often do we get distracted by the material world? How often do we get tempted uh, into focusing more on the distractions of life than uh, on Jesus? How often do we find ourselves walking down our road to Emmaus and not acknowledging the fact that Jesus is walking there right alongside us? And it's not always bad things necessarily that distract us. I'd say that we can be equally as guilty of this when we push Jesus aside for good distractions too, or seemingly good distractions too. When we forget to thank Jesus for all the good in our life, for all the good that we've got going on in our lives, I think we can be equally as guilty guilty when we disregard the part that Jesus has played and continues to play in getting us to those good places in our lives. We can be guilty of pushing Jesus aside, of not needing him in times when things seem to be going okay, when in actual fact it was Jesus who helped to get us there in the first place. And I do believe that there is a cultural element at play there too. In our society, it is so easy to lose track of Jesus' input in the world around us. We are very well provided for. It's easy to become switched off to his voice in our lives. I once read a book uh, by a pastor uh, from Barbados, and I might have told you this story before. Uh, And uh, his son had been out fishing and caught a load of fish. And uh, he took it to his dad to, uh, as a gift, and the dad decided that he would cook it all in one go, cook all the fish in one go, and he'd take some to his friend that afternoon, and I think he was going to another friend the day after, and he was going to take some there too. So he decided he'd cook it all in one go, and halfway through this cooking uh, time, he ran out of oil. Now, I reckon most of you would be like me and think, oh, flip, what an inconvenience. I, cannot, I can't believe I've run out of oil. I've now got to wash up. I've got to, I've got to leave my fishy-smelling kitchen. I've got to go to the shop, and I've got to get more oil, and then I've got to come back, and I've got to do it all again. Inconvenience. Not on. This guy, however, he saw it as a Jesus opportunity. What? A Jesus opportunity. He ran out of cooking oil. And so he jumped in his car, and he prayed, God, which shop shall I go to? I'm like, this is an inconvenience. God, which shop should I go to? 
and he didn't go to the nearest one. He drove further to get to a different shop because he felt that that was the shop that God wanted him to be at that morning. And sure enough, he was right. A family in need was there and he was able to pray for all the family members, including the little ones. And at the end, the little kids offered to pray for him in return. He had a great day. He saw a Jesus opportunity. I saw an inconvenience. So how do we ensure that when we are uh, walking along our road to Emmaus, when we walk in the footsteps of our lives, how do we ensure that we are paying close attention, close enough attention to Jesus' footsteps and guidance alongside us? How do we make sure that we are recognizing Jesus at work in our lives? I believe that the answer is actually quite simple. The more time you spend with Jesus, the more finely tuned you become to hearing his voice. The more finely, tu- uh, sorry, the um, more finely aware you become of his gentle prompts in your life. So the more time you spend immersed in God's word, in the Bible, the better you get to know Jesus. The more time you spend praying, speaking, chatting with God, the more you get to know him, the better you get to know him at work in your life. The more more time you spend immersed in worship, pulling alongside God in times of worship, not just when we want to, but also being sacrificial with our time when we really don't feel like we've got it in us but still spending time in worship. When we worship in the good times and the bad times, in the happy times and the sad times, the more time you spend in his presence, the stronger the relationship gets and the more you get to know him, the more you get to know the direction that he has for your life, the more aware you become. We grow to know Jesus more and more as we experience him in our lives. And we can do that through scripture. We can do that through developing an understanding of our Christian traditions. That means meeting together with fellow believers as a church family. We take our experiences of Jesus at work in our life so far and we can share them with one another. We can see that the experiences that our peers are having, that our fellow brothers and sisters are having. And we can apply reason. We grow to know Jesus in a better way, at a deeper, deeper level. Those are some of the ways that we can help to ensure that we are aware of Jesus alongside us. Those are some of the ways that we can open up our eyes to the risen Jesus walking right alongside us in our daily lives. So that's point one. Sometimes we can get so caught up in the stuff that life has for us that we fail to see the bigger picture. We fail to see Jesus walking right alongside us. And I hope you agree that we really need to address that. Second point is this. It says in the text before that I read, Uh, As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. You know, I find this so revealing 
of Jesus's character because Jesus never forces himself into your life. He never forces himself into people's lives. These guys were walking their journey. They happened to bump into this guy, a third person who we know to be Jesus. And at this point, they did not know it was him. So they're walking their journey, walking along this road, and they get to their destination. They're approaching their destination. And now I don't know about you, but if I'm walking along the road with someone, I'm having a chat with them, and they get to their house before I get to theirs, uh, before I get to mine, I don't just walk into their house. I don't invite myself into their house. That is not good etiquette. If you do that, you need to have a word with yourself. You don't just invite yourself in. I think you would find it a little bit creepy if you got home or you're walking home, you're having a chat with someone, and the next thing you know, they're sat in your living room or helping themselves to snacks in your fridge. I think I'd be a little bit weirded out by that. It's not the done thing. You wait for an invitation, and that is exactly what Jesus does. He does not intrude. He waits for an invitation. Now, Jesus is Jesus, and he could have taken that very moment to announce that it was him, to say, hey, guys, it is I, me, Jesus, I am back. And they could have welcomed him in. And they would, I hope, have welcomed him in because he is Jesus. But he didn't do that either. He didn't do that either. He chose to keep on walking, to move in a way that made it look like he was going to continue along down that road, past their destination, because he was waiting for an invitation. And when he received that invitation, he gladly accepted that invitation. And he went in to stay with them. And I love that. I love it. Jesus does not force himself into your life. Despite all that he has done, despite all of the chaos, the sacrificial chaos of the Easter weekend, despite the fact that he knows that we are flawed beings and we will inevitably mess things up because we do. Despite all of that, he still does not take it upon himself to force himself into your life. He waits for an invitation. He gives us a choice. Last week, we heard all about what Jesus did for us on the cross and why he did what he did for us on the cross. And I would like to think that that alone is enough to convince that Jesus is the answer to our problems, that Jesus is worth your time. Jesus is worth my time. That Jesus is worth your sacrifice. Jesus is worth my sacrifice. And so we find ourselves at a time where we have just celebrated Easter, where we have discovered once again what Jesus has done for us. And we know that Jesus is walking alongside us. He's on our journey of life with us. We know he's with us and we know that he paid an enormous price to be in that position. In many ways, we have a greater advantage. We have more information than these two guys we read about because we know it is Jesus. We know that Jesus is alongside us. They did not know that it was him alongside them. 
We know that Jesus is walking alongside us as Jesus journeys with us on our life adventure. And that should do nothing but empower us in our walk. And so we have a decision to make. Do we get to the end? Do we get to our destination and bid farewell to our fellow traveler? Do we say goodbye? Or do we get to our destination and do we invite that traveler into our home? Do we invite that traveler into our destination? Do we invite Jesus into our home, our destination? Or further still, do we, because we know it's Jesus walking alongside us, do we invite him into the journey too? Do we invite Jesus into our journey? Are we willing to open up our lives, our situations and our future plans and destinations? How willing are we to risk being taken in a different direction because of that openness that we share with Jesus? Because Jesus has possibly revealed to us that he has a different plan for our lives and perhaps the plan that we had for our own lives. How willing are we to take that risk? How willing are we to be vulnerable in that in order to find out Jesus' direction? How keen are we to embrace the calling that Jesus has placed on our lives? How willing are we to let Jesus in? So that's point number two. Jesus walks the walk with us. He will never force himself into your life. How willing are you to invite him in because he's waiting. And my third point is this. Once Jesus had given thanks, broken the bread and given it to them, they come to this realization of who he is. They could then not wait to go and share the good news with other people. It says this. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true. The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. When Jesus does something amazing in your life, when Jesus does anything in your life, how quick are you to tell other people about it? How excited are you to share the work of Jesus with those around you? These guys were rapid. It says uh, that they got up and returned to Jerusalem at once. At once. That means they were quick. They were rapid. That means that it was the very next thing that they did. They could not wait to go and tell the good news of the risen Lord Jesus. They could not wait to go and tell people that he was alive. He had risen from the dead. He had done exactly what he said he would do. Jesus had risen. He had beaten death. Like Chrissy said last week, death had lost its sting because it was no longer the end. Jesus had shown there and then that there was more to come. When Jesus does something in your life, do you at once Run and tell your friends, your family. Do you at once come and tell fellow believers? When Jesus does something amazing in your life, do you give it the time it is due? Do you give it the airtime that it deserves? 
Now, I understand that sometimes Jesus does things and it's a personal thing and it's, it's to be kept in your heart. But you know, sometimes it's not like that. Sometimes they are shouting from the rooftop experiences that will not only sharpen your faith, but will sharpen the faith of those around you. And potentially could even be the catalyst to someone else discovering a relationship with Jesus. You know, the most powerful, one of the most powerful things that we have as followers of Jesus is our testimony. The story of how we know Jesus, how we met Jesus, how Jesus has worked in our lives and how he chooses to work through our lives. Your testimony is so powerful and your testimony is not only powerful in your life but in the lives of those around you in the lives of people who believe in Jesus and in the lives of people who are yet to know him I look around this room and I've spoken to so many of you probably most of you I think all of you and I've heard stories from your lives and I am so very grateful that you have shared those stories with me because I have been encouraged by your stories. I have been inspired by your stories and I have pushed on with my relationship with Jesus, my journey with Jesus, sometimes because of the inspiration that I have found from your stories. Your stories are powerful. Your stories are really powerful with people who don't know Jesus yet too. I've shared stories with my friends and I know I've shared some stories with you about that before. Sometimes it's gone really, really bad. Really bad. Really bad. And I felt really embarrassed and it's just gone awful. But you know, sometimes it goes amazingly. Sometimes it works out. And you know what? I'm happy to go through those those moments where my friends thought I'm like some sort of alien who lives in a dream world. I'm happy to feel like that sometimes because sometimes it works out in the, other, in the opposite way. Our testimonies are so powerful. I've had the opportunity, there's a friend of mine at the moment actually, who every time we speak, he, tells me, he told me the other day that he's, found, he, he's met a girl and uh, I'll approve because she goes to church. I said, that's great, mate, that's great. He loves talking to me about how he's on this, this journey of discovery with Jesus. He loves to share that with me. And I'm thankful that I got the opportunity to share about my relationship with Jesus with him, about how Jesus has used my hands and my feet and my voice uh, for his work on this island in my little community. It had an impact on his life, just like your stories had an impact on my life. Your stories are so powerful. What you share with other people is so important. These guys, they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. They turned with haste. They went rapidly. They made it their priority. Do you, do I make it a priority to share what Jesus has done with others? To share the good news of the risen Lord Jesus and what he has done, and what he still does, and what he promises to continue to do. 
Do I, do you make it a priority to share the good news of the same Jesus who chooses to walk side by side with you and I as we navigate this life? So that's my third point. How eager are you to share the good news of Jesus? Jesus. 